special kind of morning that we get to share in, delighting in, hearing the stories of young people wanting to follow Christ. And I don't know if you were listening carefully, but both of them mentioned adults in their life, outside of their home, adults in their life, in the context of their church, investing in them, spending time with them, sharing life with them, encouraging them. And that, that's a part of being the body of Christ. That's a part of what this looks like to live this out together and, and really dovetails well into our series, One Another. There were some one another's in those stories. And we get to continue that together as a church family. Before we do that, I, I want to take a moment, also just happened to be this day um, with two younger men getting baptized, to, to pray for those who are heading off to college. Some have already left, some are getting ready to leave, some will be leaving soon. And, or maybe it's not college, maybe it's grad school, but they're facing all these sorts of things, these changes uh, in their lives, and, and COVID still sort of lingering around, and so they're faced with all sorts of different options and obstacles. So if you wouldn't mind, let's take a moment to pray for those that are heading off into this dynamic. God, we thank you so much for those in our family, in our church family, who are heading off to school, to college, to grad, to wherever, are beginning a new stage of their uh, initial career. God, we certainly pray that you would give them stamina and joy in the face of many challenges and obstacles to that. We pray that you would encourage them uh, with meaningful relationships around them especially those who would know you and love you and, and care for them, and, and there would be a mutual care for one another. God, we pray that they would all be able to find a, a solid church that they could be a part of, and, and we certainly ask that you would do good intervening work in their lives, helping them to better understand the gospel and how it shapes the way they live. God, we would look forward to a day uh, where we hear similar testimonies of wrestling with their faith and then you doing great work in their hearts, helping them better understand you. And God, would you do that, we ask. Watch over them and, and may your favor be upon them, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 So if you would, open up your Bibles to Ephesians chapter 4 as we continue our series, One Another, Cultivating a Gospel Community. This summer, we've been looking at various one another passages in the New Testament. These are passages where the church is being instructed and, and challenged to live a particular way together, to, to live in a way that is encouraging each other and building each other up and helping each other see how awesome God is, how sufficient His grace is, how glorious the gospel is in deepening ways that it would have a profound impact on how we are the church and what we do. And so this series has been very encouraging for me and prep, and hoping it is encouraging for you as we wrestle with it. We're going to tackle the last two verses of Ephesians chapter 4 as we consider what does it mean to be kind to one another. Be kind to one another. That the, the church should be marked with a, a mutual kindness that has a great purpose behind it. So let's consider that together Let's read verses 31 and 32 of Ephesians chapter 4. Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and slander be put away from you, along with all malice. Be kind 
to one another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another, as God and Christ forgave you. Let's pray. As we come to your word, we certainly pray that you would be with us in the preaching, the hearing, the receiving, believing, trusting this, your word, God, by your spirit. Would you be with us this time? We ask in Christ's name. Amen. Kindness is decidedly underrated. It's far more powerful than we realize. Kindness can topple hardened hearts while deflecting harshness. We can sometimes mistakenly think of kindness as simply niceness, but there's a difference. Niceness can mask a fear of conflict, an unwillingness to rock the boat, but kindness, on the other hand, is intentional. It's purposeful. There's movement to it through whatever current toward others to show them good. Kindness is steady. It's quiet, but it's joyful. It's a joyful resolve to show good to others. And it is the fruit of a community of people being cultivated by the gospel. Kindness is to come with the territory of following Christ. I wouldn't say we live in a very kind day and age right now. I think kindness would be far from the descriptor, especially if you decided to get on some sort of internet platform. You would not find kindness there. Recently, I was with somebody and they were wearing a t-shirt that said, kindness is nonpartisan. I really like that shirt. It's a good sermon illustration. It feels very partisan and polarized and harsh in our day. But what if the church's witness wasn't so much about what it is it's against but what if the church's witness in this harsh world was kindness? Quiet, steady, joyful resolve to show good to others. Be kind to one another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another, just as God has forgiven you in Christ. Credible words. And as we consider kindness, I hope that what we find here is something more than niceness. I hope we find, in considering kindness, the power of kindness. I'm going to explore that and probably go maybe where you're not anticipating. But the power of kindness. So as to be a people of kindness. The power of kindness so as to be a people of kindness. So let's tackle that together. First, I want to lay the groundwork, the frame for what this is, this kindness, by showing and hopefully seeing here in God's Word that the power of kindness really is God. Kindness actually belongs to God. Kindness is God's. God is the one who is kind. Let's think about that together. Kindness that belongs to God. In the Old Testament and in the New Testament, kindness is most often attributed to God. Not to people, but to God. 
In the Old Testament, we see kindness exclusively attributed to God. Think of Psalm 25, verse 8. It's the same word for kindness. The, the Old Testament is in Hebrew, New Testament is in Greek. But the same word in terms of matching up what the Old Testament is saying and, and the New Testament is saying with the word kindness is found in Psalm 25, 8. Good or kind and upright is the Lord. Therefore, he instructs sinners in the way. Again, good and kind are the same word, drawing on the same word. God is kind towards sinners rather than vengeful or reactionary. He instructs them on the way, in the way. His kindness is leading them. What kind of people? Sinners kind of people. The people that are hard to be kind to. And God is kind to sinners. Or think of Psalm 86, verse 5. Again, we have the same dynamic. The word for good is the same as kind. For you, O Lord, are good or kind and forgiving, abounding in steadfast love to all who call upon you. And just like in Ephesians, we find this good and kindness connected to forgiveness. God is kindness. And God, in His kindness, gives to sinners what they do not deserve. We find that throughout the whole Old Testament. And then in the New Testament, we actually get a Trinitarian picture of kindness. We find kindness with the Father, with the Son, and with the Spirit. We can't escape God when we are talking about kindness. If we want to know kindness, then we must know God. Think about what is said in Romans Two, four. We find, first of all, we find kindness is purposed by God. We find that kindness is given by Christ. And we find kindness is produced by the Spirit. All three are experts on kindness. If you want to know kindness, you must know God. God purposed kindness. Romans 2, 4. Devastating words. And the argument that Paul is making in Romans, he is trying to bring everybody to the realization that they need Jesus. That's what he's doing. Very complicated and thorough and meticulous, but that's what he's doing. So the first chapter, he spends time talking about them out there who live worldly. They need Jesus. Then he switches the gears in chapter 2 and says, you who are religiously proud, who don't think you need Jesus, yeah, you're the same. And what does he say in Romans 2 verse 4? Do you presume on the riches of his kindness and forbearance and patience? Not knowing that God's kindness is meant to lead you to repentance. God is kind to sinners, to lead sinners to repentance and forgiveness and rescue and redemption. His kindness is purposeful. It is showing and giving good to those who are not deserving of such And that kindness is given, it's purposed in God the Father and given by Christ. Very familiar words, Matthew chapter 11, 28 through 30. Maybe words that you've drawn upon many times over. Listen to these words. Come, Jesus speaking, come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy. Actually, it's the same word for kind. My yoke is kind.
kind. What I give to you, I give kindness. And my burden is light. In the place of the harsh demands of a work's righteousness comes the kind, gracious yoke of Christ. And then we should know that kindness is produced by the Spirit. Perhaps you've memorized that at some point when you were little in one of our classrooms, our VBS, the fruit of the Spirit, Galatians 5, or 23. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness. I was really leading you there. <laughs> Goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law. So there are some things that we come away with when we realize that the power of kindness is really God. It's God is that it first tells us kindness is not natural to us. Kindness is foreign to us. It's not our impulse. It's not the thing that we would want to do right away. It's not our initial thought. It's not something we possess of our own, but God possesses it in full, perfect measure. Kindness may be foreign to us, but it is produced in us by the Spirit, giving to us what is ours in Christ. So let's be careful to not soften the power of kindness, for it is the power of God to bring about salvation of sinners. It is also shown and given and produced in us with great affection on the part of God. Kindness isn't an obligation that God has, but an affection that is overflowing. It's an affection that he has for sinners to rescue them. That's the nature and character of his kindness. It's powerful, but it is affectionate. And we get to receive that. So before we ever start talking about what kind of kindness we are to have amongst ourselves, we can't know what that means if we don't know God. We can know niceness, we can know kind things, but if we're talking about the sort of kindness that Paul is calling us to, be kind to one another, then it is going to be gospel-fueled, God-exalting sort of kindness that is to mark the nature and character of our community together. The kind of kindness that is outlier to a world that's absent of kindness but overwhelmed with harshness. The sort of kindness that is staggering and once it's received and felt and experienced. Kindness that's genuine and purposeful, steady resolve to do and show good, to give good to others with affection. Show of hands, who doesn't want that in their life? Just want to know where all the sarcastic people are. That's exactly what we're called to because that's exactly what we have received. It's what we have received from God. And we are to give out of what we've received. So the power of kindness brings about a people of kindness. A people of kindness. 
A community cultivated by the gospel shows a number of things, but it shows a people that are learning how to put off old ways, a people learning how to put on new ways, and a people eager to display the power of the gospel to show how awesome the gospel is in the way that we live out our lives. It's a picture of what the gospel holds out. And that's what we get to do together in showing kindness to one another and being kind to one another. We're helping each other put off old ways, put on new ways, and hold up and hold out how awesome the gospel is to each other and to people who are in desperate need of the gospel. So kindness is kind of a big deal. It's never not a big deal. So let's learn and, and consider what it means to be a people of kindness. So first, a putting off of the old. This call to, put, uh, to be kind to one another is connected to a larger context in this chapter. It's a gospel application of our lives. If you recall from two weeks ago, we had missionaries with us last week, which was such a huge blessing and encouragement. Two weeks ago, we were on the very beginning of Ephesians 4, looking at uh, what does it look like uh, to be together in one and, and, and considering what it means to um, bear with one another, to bear with one another. And if you recall last week, I said that, that chapters 4, 5, and 6 sort of switched gears in Paul's letter to the Ephesians. The first three chapters are like holding out to us the amazing, un- unbelievably awesome gospel. This is who God is and what he has done and how it's applied to our lives. And then 4, 5, and 6 is sort of looking in at the sinking in of the gospel into our lives and how we live. And so here we are in chapter 4 and verses 22 through 24 of chapter 4 are informing what we are considering in verses 31 and 32. So let's cast our eye up a little bit or if it's on the screen, verses 22 through 24. So having learned of the gospel, having, having received Christ through the gospel, we have learned to put off your old self, which belongs to your former manner of life and is corrupt through deceitful desires, and to be renewed in the spirit of your mind and to put on the new self created after the likeness of God in the true righteousness and holiness. Kindness, being kind to one another, is an outworking of this dynamic at work in our lives. As we're learning how to put off old ways of living, as we're learning how to put on new ways of living, we see how different they are from one another. And then we see the power of God at work in us, leading us along in sudden ways and in slow, steady ways. God is at work in us, changing us, changing our hearts, our desires, our affections, the way that we live, so that what we end up doing is reflecting more and more of God to one another and to this world around us. Part of that is putting off, putting off. Being part of a community cultivated by the gospel is learning how to put off old ways that don't fit with the gospel anymore. What are some of those old ways? Well, let's look again at verse 31. Let all bitterness, do I have to keep going? (laughs) Let all bitterness and wrath and anger, clamor, Slander, be put away from you, along with, let me just catch it all, malice, (laughs) along with all malice. These characteristics and actions are no longer fitting to our new gospel realities. They don't fit in this dynamic called the church. 
They're not to find a home here that we aren't to interact with or consider each other through the lens of bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and slander and malice. And Paul covers the whole gambit there. He goes from the inner attitude to the outbursts of anger that fills our hearts and our speech and our actions. Both the hot-tempered outbursts have no place in the people of God, and no, neither do the slow-cooked, simmering rage that we could have for each other. There's no place for that. That's how you operated in an old way. But God has rescued you by Christ and the power of His Spirit. You are no longer that old way. You are a new creation. The old is gone. The new has come. And what God has given to you, He's equipped you with a heart that can love Him and live for Him and be changed and renewed and transformed by Him. And that we can be a hard-hearted person that now can show immeasurable kindness because that's what we received. There's no place for bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and slander and malice to live in the life of the church. We can't treat each other from that playbook, a playbook we see played out in the world around us. We need to tear those pages out of that playbook. Let's not know those plays anymore. Let us be kind. The world plays this game. Social media heightens this game. But it is not how we are to consider each other, live with each other, interact with each other, or see each other. We're to be kind. Because God has been kind to us. So part of our being kind to one another is learning how to put off these old ways. Another aspect of being kind to one another is learning how to put on new ones. Learning how to put on new ones. We get to kindness is something that we put on like new clothes. And now who doesn't like new clothes? Even the guy in here whose wife shops for him, he's got to at least have some awareness that new clothes are pretty good, right? Yes? Come on. Who doesn't like new clothes? Well, God has given us new clothes. And among those new clothes, those new garments that we get to wear is kindness. Verse 32, be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another. Be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another. It's important to first note that kindness, again, is not natural to us. What is natural is that previous list, you know? That's our, that's our impulse. No. Because of sin, our default setting is definitely verse 31. But because of God's kindness, we have a new setting in place. And that kindness is given some extra details in what Paul says right after it, tenderhearted and forgiving one another. It's further explained in those parallel thoughts. First of all, tenderhearted, very literally, it just means from the deepest, most tender, innermost part like, of us, like that of which you would have in a sacrifice in the Old Testament would be the most inner, tender parts that you would be giving to the Lord. What it sort of carries over in this meaning is, is that we would be deeply, truly, genuinely caring and affectionate for one another. Now, not all at the same level. Some of us like to go at 11. Others of us are a nice steady two. But 
whatever that might be, that 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 would be real. Not fake. I lived in the South. Took me a while to know that bless your heart meant something otherwise. (laughs) That we'd be real. From the deepest parts of us, that we would have a real deep presiding affection for fellow brothers and sisters in the faith who've also been rescued by God's kindness. What kind of kindness? The tender-hearted kind. What else do we see here? What kind of kindness are we to have putting on the forgiving one another kind? The forgiving one another kind. The kind that doesn't hold on to a wrong, doesn't harbor bitterness, doesn't let envy overtake, doesn't let jealousy rule, the sort of kindness that knows how to weep when it's time to weep and rejoice when it's time to rejoice, the kind of kindness that is able to extend and give forgiveness when wronged because so much more forgiveness has been given to us by God. And that doesn't mean that sometimes dealing with the interpersonal breakdowns that happen in the lives of people won't be hard and challenging and overwhelming even. It's true, they can be and they most likely will be. But the reality is that that does not get the last word because we have a greater word in the gospel. We have one that is greater because God has forgiven us of far worse than what we could ever forgive of each other. What kind of kindness, the forgiving kind. Now, just take that into context. The sort of kindness that we get to learn how to put on. How antithetical is that to the world around us? But not just an antithetical against the world. Let me ask it in a more positive way. How compelling can that be to the world around us, to people in our lives, to our neighbors, our friends, our coworkers, our family, who sink down into the bog of harshness, who operate from a place of bitterness, who, who look at the world and see all that's wrong and just are angry at anyone and everything. How compelling would it be then to be a people, a, a church family that then shows and gives a genuine, real, tender-hearted kind of kindness that is able to forgive one another. Rather than being against the world, but what if this was something that was so compelling to those who were without God and without hope? I'm afraid with the way that things are so polarized right now and, and, and so boisterous in their polarization... That we're, the church is going to be identified more about what it's against than rather the kind of clothes that it's putting on because God's kindness is so overwhelmingly awesome and it's making us into new people, living a new way. And while we can't change the church and our culture, what about Trinity and Nashville region? What if Trinity, the people who are associated with Trinity, were known to be an overwhelmingly genuine, real, kind people that was compelling to those 
who don't have a whole lot of that in their life. That's the kind of thing we get to put on. And in that putting off and putting on, what we're doing is putting out a picture of what the gospel holds out. Kindness on display in the gospel community cast our hearts upward to the kindness that we have received from God. Look again at the last part of verse 32. Be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, as God in Christ forgave you. Our theological grounding for kindness is rooted in God and what we've experienced from Him. Our kindness is anchored to and fueled by and is a result of God's kindness to us. And just as God's kindness leads to our forgiveness, so our kindness to each other is to lead to shared forgiveness in our community. Take a moment just to look around in this room. There are people here that you've known, for some of you, you've known for decades. There are people here that you don't know. You've never seen them before until I just made you look around the room. What if we realized that the people in this room or the people who might come into our lives in the coming weeks and months and years, there's a lot of hurting, tired, weary people going through all kinds of things and just need kind people in their lives. What if that person who looks like they're in a foul mood might actually be in a foul mood that just needs somebody who's kind in their life? What if that privilege has been ours all along to be a people shaped by the gospel, to give out of what we've received, to be kind? God's kindness led to our repentance and redemption. And what if our kindness led somebody to our kind God? So my hope is as we consider the power of kindness being God himself, bringing about a people of kindness, that we would long for that and desire that. You might say, how do we foster that then? Simply stated, profoundly experienced. The answer is this. First, to foster this sort of kindness in our community, we together collectively need to have a greater God-centeredness. If kindness's origin is God himself, then our thoughts, our affections, our words, our lives, our worship is to be centered on God. If we want more kindness in our church family, then we must look more to God. Secondly, if we want to foster greater kindness in our community, then we need to be collectively together having a greater joyful Christ exaltation, that we have greater joy in Christ, the one who has brought kindness to us, who's given to us kindness. The cross is the greatest sign of kindness in which he took all our sin and all our shame and gave us all his right standing with God, the greatest transaction in the history of transactions. In God's kindness, Christ did what we couldn't do 
do and gave what we could never gain to, to bring us to a place we could never go. How can we not be overwhelmed with joy when we consider all that Christ has done for us? So if we want to be a greater, kinder people, then let's have a whole lot more joy in exalting in Christ, the Savior of our souls. And then, let's be a people who are purposefully depending on the Holy Spirit, that we would be a purposeful, Spirit-depending people. That we would be centered on God, exalting in Christ, and relying on the Spirit, the one who brings about kindness in our character. Let's rely on Him all the more. In prayer, in confession, in comfort. And we do that together. If you want to know what that is going to produce in us, do you want to know what God, greater God-centeredness, joyful Christ's exaltation, purposeful spirit dependence is going to produce in us? It's going to produce in us kindness. The kind of kindness that makes much of God. Kindness is a powerful characteristic. It's not weak. It's power. It's not niceness. It's purposeful. It shows joyful resolve to do good, Leads us by the hand to the greatest of all goods shown by God in the gospel. Let us put off our self-absorbed anger and let's put on God-purposed, Christ-given, Spirit-produced kindness. Let's pray. God, we thank you for your word and we thank you that in it we find words of life and how it leads us to you. And we find here in the call to kindness really a pathway that leads straight to you, the giver of kindness. God, you have been kind to us to lead us to our repentance. You've been kind to us, giving it to us at the cross. You've been kind to us, producing it in us by your spirit. And we pray that our hearts and our lives would reflect that all the more. God, may we be a kind people to your glory, to our good, and to the salvation of the lost around us, we ask in Jesus' name. Amen.